You're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that systematically breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. Today, we are talking about episode 11 of season one, Nobody Knows Anything. The air date was March 21st, 1999. It was written by Frank Renzulli and directed by Henry Bronktine. HBO synopsis, after Jimmy and Pussy are arrested in an FBI raid, McKazian tells a stunned Tony that Pussy may be wired for the feds. Tony sends Pauly to find out for sure. Later, Tony learns that McKazian might be trying to frame Pussy to get out of his gambling debts. Guys, before we jump into the show, I wanted to do a listener mailbag. We had one really good question. We've, first of all, we've gotten several questions. I think it's reached the century mark at this point. Love but that. there was one question that came in. It was relevant to what we recorded last week about the music business. And uh, the question was, did Hesh have an affair or relationship with little Jimmy's mother? Again, this is the woman <laughs> that Hesh was asked to pay reparations to. And the argument was that she refers to him as that nice man. Yeah. And you see that scene where Hesh is kind of looking up at the walls, listening to music, going down memory lane, and you see a photograph of but one woman. So I'm going to throw it at you guys, see if we have any thoughts or opinions on that. Do you guys think it's a viable I think backstory? it's possible. They, they reference his affinity towards black women throughout the show. We know that his... His live-in, I don't know if it's his wife or the his live-in partner was black. And he definitely had a somber tone when he heard that she called him a nice man. So that brought back some memories. I don't know. What do you think, John? Well, are you talking about uh, he's sitting in his office and he's looking at all of the accolades of his music business? Was there a picture There's of There's a framed a- picture of the woman who we, suggest, who we think is that woman that he was asked to pay. Yeah. While they were playing Little Jimmy song. I think it's significant enough to to support that theory. I like the theory because he was sitting in a very like reflective, pensive mode as, I don't know about you guys, but as we tend to do when I was younger, when I was, when I was thinking about a girl, it was a very like, I'm thinking about a girl moment, but I thought it was a brilliant question. Yeah. Uh, and again, the old stuff, this backstory stuff is relevant because there's a prequel coming out. Yeah. So these are all people that could rear their head Ooh. in the show, yeah, in the movie. Sorry. Love, love the mailbag. Keep the questions coming in. For sure. The title, uh, there's a lot to unpack with the title. You guys, it's a William Goldman quote. He's the guy that wrote The Adventures in the Screen Trade, which is canon for anyone in the entertainment business. The phrase is also mentioned twice in the show. First by Pauly to Tony about Bax, and then Tony back to Pauly about Puss's whereabouts. So it's one of the few times I think the title is actually mentioned in the show which is something that you would think naturally. A lot of shows do that. They title the show, and then it's either a line or a phrase in the episode. Well, you do think a hit is a hit. Yeah. And this, my friend, is not a hit. Or Boca is mentioned a handful of times. That'd be a fun game to play to see how many episodes use the title. On a more macro level, with respect to the show and its conclusion, the finale, um, the title is all too prescient. Nobody knows anything. It's just so open-ended. It's so ambiguous. To quote Soprano's autopsy, certainty, which is the title, nobody knows anything, certainty is a luxury David Chase does not indulge in, which I think is perfect. This is exactly everything that you need to know about this episode and the rest of the show. This whole idea that the real world isn't black and white and 
sometimes when we watch TV shows and sometimes when we watch movies, we want there to be perfect endings. We want everything to be wrapped up in a nice bow, but that's not how the real world works. And likewise, this show isn't that either. So I think it's fair to say that it's okay to not really have, it's okay to really not know anything. Quick topic A, I took a page out of Justin's book and I came up with some alternate titles and these just flowed naturally for me. I have three. I have Vice Superfecta, which I thought was a great line when Vin McKazian gets arrested. Come on, let's get this show on the road. Look at this. A doctor, madam, wise guy and a cop. That's what I call a vice superfecta. Um, and then psychosomatic as a mm. title. Well, you had a rule early on that you had to match the number of yeah. words. Yeah, I'm throwing my rule out the window. <laughs> and then the, the last one is way longer. Two fat fucks with black hair. <laughs> I like it. Another line like from the show. Um, quick topic B, you guys. Rip Vin McKazian. Yes. Um, also, John Hurd. Sad to... I didn't know this until researching for the show. He passed away a few years ago. I was a little disappointed when I saw that. Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate. Just as you're starting to feel for him and, and get a sense of who he is and his backstory, they, they take him away. Yeah, he, he passed away July 21st. 2017. Okay, so not too long ago. I was a fan of Vin, you guys. You said it from early on when we started this series or the podcast that he was one of your favorite characters of, yeah. on the tertiary well, side. He, he acted amazingly. Like the yeah. last, this last moment when the, he has the, this human moment, he actually gets Tony to sit down on the couch and then laugh. He gave Tony a moment of levity. I don't know. I, I thought it was, he was a really well-rounded, complex. He was trying to, this whole thing for me that, that's bothering me is that he was a classic second chance character. And it's really bittersweet that he didn't get a chance to have a second chance. Well, David David Chase likes to give you the second chance and then rip it right out of your hands. Well, it's it's almost the the foreshadowing. Anytime he humanizes a character, they're not going to be around much longer. Well, the cl- the thing I used to do back in the day when I would watch this is I would say like, "Wow, they're sh- they're spending an awful lot of time yeah. talking about this character. Something bad's going to happen." Yeah. Like the Ralphie, you know. Well, uh, never mind. We'll cut that out. But like, there's a lot of scenes where it's just like, okay, there's a little too much screen time, disproportionate screen time. And I knew he got disproportionate screen time on this episode. But um, we'll, we'll talk about what happens to him in a few minutes. But the quick topic C I have is this episode had pace. To me, this episode had pace unlike anything we've seen yet in the show, which is what I call the Soprano's signature. The wheels turn really slow, but once the wheels turn, they turn fast. Mm. It's the classic signature tension, uh, apprehension. It might lead to nothingness. It might lead to the regularness of life, but you're on the, you're on the seat of your pants for the first time in a while. Yeah, I had forgotten just how important this episode is, and... After a couple episodes, we've talked about sidetracking and character development episodes. This one picked up where the narrative and the, the main plot started and took us on this wild ride. It also gives you an appreciation for the idea of these palate cleanse episodes because this episode was like, get your popcorn. Sometimes you need that like uh, when you're listening to a piece of music too. Like when it crescendos, you're ready for it, but you have to get to that point to fully appreciate the crescendo. Yeah, and it not, it not only advances the story in a couple of areas, but it brings in new elements. Like who is, who is to be trusted? Who's trustworthy? Who have I known for my entire life? Yeah. 
what's going on. Totally. Nobody knows anything. This episode in particular really made me realize why I like the show so much because I start talking about these characters as if they were real people. And I can't think of any other show where I, I grow such an attachment or like we were talking before we started the show today and I'm mentioning Tony when I'm, I go, oh, I mean James. Like right. it's, a, it's so well crafted that it feels like we're watching a reality show. It's escapism, yeah. like l- the best kind of escapism. I described this to Anne Crabtree. I was like, she was like, because she asked me, she's like, why do you like the show so much? And I was like, first of all, no one has ever asked me that question. I don't really have a beautiful answer for you, but I said the closest thing I can tell you is that it's like looking through the window of somebody's house whose window you would never ever get to look in, and you get to go like this, and no one will catch you. that feeling and and then the, it coupled with I'm always learning something I'm learning something about myself I'm learning something about that world and I'm learning something about I'm learning something about human relationships yeah I think that's what makes great TV is yeah. when you can connect to somebody but you can also learn something and gain a new perspective and to stand the test of time I mean it's it's yeah. so easy for us to take any current modern scenario and compare it to episode two which uh, aired in 1999. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's crazy. And it's, it is the modern standard of TV. Yeah, it is. Um, topic one, Vin, Pussy, the 302, um, some key moments just to set it up. Vin tells Tony, Puss is wired, which is a big reveal. And one of the reasons why I liked Vin so much, he was never wrong. He only helped. He only helped advance Tony's agenda. And then after getting busted for being in a brothel, Vin jumps off the Donald Goodkind Bridge on US Route 1 into the Raritan River. The bridge was named after the son of Morris Goodkind, who designed the bridge. That's a little location thing for a couple of location nerds. By the way, one of our listeners rides by the cemetery uh, that Livia and uh, Junior and Junior were at with the dogs every day on his way to work. So it's real. We have a Sopranos Gram follower that has reached out to us and let us know that his grandparents own the cemetery. No way! So we're looking more into getting in contact with them. Said so all of the cemetery scenes were filmed at that location. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really great. So uh, as a result of Vin killing himself, taking his life, Tony can't verify who the rat is. For themes for this topic, I had ambiguity again, which is the which is the main theme of of Soprano's autopsy. Is it pussy? Is it Jimmy? And then again with Vin, did he jump because of the arrest? Did he jump because of Tony? Which is something that I'm going to harp on in a few minutes, or because of something else? We're introduced to a new character, Debbie, yeah. played by an actress, Karen Sillis. Um, I have a question for you guys about her in a moment. And then a, a notable music moment was. The song being played when Puss throws out his back in the beginning is aptly titled Walking on a Tightrope, and it was sung by blues and jazz singer Johnny Adams, whose 1969 song Reconsider Me reached as high as number 28 in the pop charts. His music returns again when Tony and Vin share their only human moment together. The song being played here is called My Heart's Hanging Heavy. Intentional, Mm. all over the place, all right? Um, okay. So some questions. Actually, wait, I have an observation for you guys. And you guys, uh, Justin, you helped me with cigarettes last time too. Okay. There's another cigarette moment here. Tony tells Pauly about puss. He's sitting there. Uh, and he basically, he tells 
Paulie, that I need you to do it, but you need to make sure that scene, yeah. make sure you see the wire. Tony's smoking there. The last time we saw Tony handling a cigarette, it was when he was having a stressful exchange with Chrissy in the car. Is there anything to this? Tony opting for a cigarette versus his more commonly used cigar? I think he just might be stressed. That's his stressor. The cigar is what he uses to relax as his recreational device, and the cigarette is a coping mechanism for his stressors. You can tell he's one of those people that doesn't smoke, but in certain scenarios will ask for one or will grab one. The nervous tick or given the situation that he was dealing with, it seemed like a, a quick fix for him. Debbie. Debbie's backstory. Is this an example of David Chase inserting a fully formed character without any backstory and never letting it grow into something else? I liked her character a lot. What did you guys think of her character? I love it when he does this, but it always leaves me wanting more. The uh, hooker with a heart of gold. We discussed kind of around that same time, the Heidi Fleiss. Yeah. The businesswoman, the nurturing madam. uh, It's always interesting when... You can see the other side of prostitution and the business end, the yeah. business end of it. And uh, well, I, I think that you know, if, she, if I'm going to make up a backstory for for her, her and Melfi went to med school together, and then it, things just didn't work out. She couldn't pay her bills, so she had to find another career path. I like that. You know, yeah. the West Wings, one of the call girls, was using the money to pay for law school or med school or something. So it's totally a palpable idea. I like that. We don't see her again, right? No. No, this is it. That's it. This is it for Debbie. This is it. She dies with Vin McKazian. She drops some insight. Oh, that, yeah. That helps Tony make a decision yeah. and, and understand or, you know, maybe know something. In the very beginning, okay, so this is a debate that I've had for years and years, even before I met you guys. I even had this debate with one of our listeners today um, about who knows, who's, who's wired already, who's already yeah. on the inside. Um, was Puss faking the back injury at the brothel? I don't think so. I was trying to figure out a a reason why that back injury would prevent him from getting in trouble or having to show a shirt. It just, it seemed too convoluted to just come up with that. So the back thing to me is it's his way of getting out of having to be doing, getting involved in illicit activities. Well, do you... Because once you're flipped, you can't really do much, right? You have to stay clean. But do you think that he was faking it or that it was just in his mind and he wasn't really experiencing back pain, but it was just mental. Psychosomatic. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm suspicious of him. There's a lot of tells in this episode, by the way, right? Vin gives, gives Tony like four reasons why, you know, he shouldn't be living in like a, in like a la la land, why this guy's actually has totally flipped. And then even, um, Debbie gives, well, Debbie doesn't talk directly about puss, but she, she mentions these talking points about what would make somebody be stressful or what would make somebody be depressed. Melfi says that. Yeah, Melfi says yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Melfi says it. And then, um, she says keeping a secret, keeping a secret, yeah. right? Keeping, what do you mean? Yeah. And that actually changes Tony's whole worldview. He's, he totally believes it then. But then when he goes to see pussy in his house, which are, these are some of the most tense scenes, um, because we know like, we know, and we don't know, and we do know, and we don't know. Yeah. And another question I have for you guys is, that scene, jumping a little ahead, to me, Tony knew then. Yeah, I'm, I'm did, really put off by this scene. Why didn't he pop him right there? Yeah, I'm really put off by this scene, because I think this is Pussy's one chance to really get a sell vote it. of confidence, to sell it. And he just doesn't. He, he even puts himself deeper in the hole by saying, Take it easy. How the fuck can I take it easy? Things are happening, Tony. What kind of things? Things. 
And that's why I attributed the back issue as this was creating a weakness for Pussy, and normally he'd be able to put a better cover on him being a rat, and this was just in his weakness. His back's in pain. He's at home. You think he's maybe under the influence, so his head's not 100% there? I, I think he's a mess. Like, he's dealing he's with mess. betraying all of his friends, his fa- his family, you know, with the looming what could potentially happen if he does all this. He's just... He's a mess. And I think in that moment of weakness, he started to talk about some of the things you were saying. Like, oh, there's things that are going on you don't even know about. But that was a, that was a was big a huge tell. tell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's his one chance to, to really, I like that. really give Tony a sense of confidence and trust and lay it all on and the line. Fails. And he fails. Miserably. And I yeah. feel like Tony was giving him that out, too. Like, you've got friends, let us know. Push. you got options. Don't let anyone ever make you feel like you don't have any options because you got friends. Look at me. Friends that would die for you. You understand me? Friends. Yeah, I know. Maybe at that moment, Pussy could have said, this is what's going on, and then Tony could have had a different reaction. Not even that. He could have just said, don't worry about it. I'm fine. Everything's all good. It's just my back's fucked up. Instead, he he says something super cryptic. Why would you say something like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm you know totally the consequences. Especially when your son is in the house and yeah. that's what you're doing this for and you know that Tony can flip, flip the script on a dime. Um, just a very off-putting scene. I think we all agree with that. Rewind a little bit. Mackenzie watches when so Pussy throws his back out at the brothel, the bordello, as we learn from Meadow. What's a bordello? It's a fancy name for a whorehouse. Don't start, okay? It is. Yeah, I know it is. I just don't like that talk. This country's light years behind the rest of the world. Most civilized countries have legalized prostitution. Don't you got somewhere to be? Mackenzie watches them escort Puss down the stairs. Does Mackenzie know then about? Puss? This is a theory that a couple people have, and I'm in this camp. I'm in the, this theory. In this ballpark? In this ballpark. Um, that long stare as Pussy's leaving, I feel like he had the idea at that point. Like, have his guys raid Pussy's place. He can either get rid of Pussy via prison and hope that no one else comes to collect or have him killed. There's, like, that intentional... Oh, because like, of the vig. Right, yeah. because of the... I see. And then you get into the transition of the four days later... Just four days later, Pussy's place is raided. He takes the offer to cooperate, we can assume, at that. And then the very next day, Vin's meeting with Tony, talking about all the news. So maybe he was seizing the opportunity. I don't know if it was, you know how uh, Silvio says, He's into Pussy, big. I mean, with a capital B. This fucking Macazian, he's a lying motherfucker. He's into Pussy for like 30 large, 20 grand just on football. Eh, The rest is shy. That pussy must be burying his prickin' fig alone. I think it was a little bit of both. You think so? Yeah. Well, well, this goes to the title of the episode, Nobody Knows Anything. It can go two ways. It's either he's seeing the opportunity to potentially get out of his debt, or this is where he makes the connection. He's maybe seen and heard things about Big Pussy being the informant, and now he sees his face and he puts a face to it. And that's where he makes the connection, and that's what gives him the impetus to to tell Tony what's going on. But my point is, if four days later after that happens, he's immediately coming to Tony with the news, I doubt he would already know the gossip if he weren't in on it. But that's not where, that's actually not where he's originally getting caught. 
we, we learn later, and I won't jump too far ahead to a flashback that we see, but even in this episode, McKazian says something last spring with the big heroin bust. Where was he? And we know that he was caught with heroin. Yeah. So yeah. I think that he's been an informant for a really long time, or else that's what I'm suspecting. Well, it's safe to say at this point we can discuss that yeah, he yeah, is yeah. one, and, yeah. and that's where it was difficult for us to talk about some of these things in the earlier Potabing episodes yeah. because you start to look. Well, I, I alluded for to it, it when I said, "Look, he's conspicuously absent from these episodes." Right. Yeah. So let's just agree to say that Pussy's an informant, and Jimmy Altieri may or may not be. That's kind of what we know, mm, yeah. at least. And if, even if we even if we don't want to say so with certainty, Polly's experience with Pussy clearly puts him in our camp. That Pussy's an informant. Yeah. Tony is unsure, because remember, even though Silvio tells him that he's into to Pussy for a lot of money, Tony says that doesn't mean anything. It just means that he wants him out. Yeah. Um, so I got a question then. Yeah. So we go to the raid. If yeah. we were to assume at that point that Pussy is an informant already, why does he run? Does he yeah. does he run because he doesn't want Tony to think that he's in on it? Was it a spontaneous decision? Or was he not yet flipped? The one, th- go ahead. I think he does it for show. I think he does it as he he doesn't want to pretend like he's just giving in and he's an, already an informant. He's running away to you know put up a facade that he doesn't want to get caught, even though he's already in it. He even gives the nod to the FBI agent. I don't know if that's exactly what he's doing, but the FBI agent gives Pussy a look and. He, when he catches them, and well, no, beforehand. Oh yeah, well, while that's the thing. while they're in in the the pool house, he gives him a little look. Pussy gives him a nod, and that's when he checks the pool table and finds the guns. It was so theatrical that I thought that it was a dream sequence when I watched it. I even watching that's it for the second time because it was just too too theatrical. Yeah. guns coming up, little grins by FBI agents and. You know the tell for me is that you see they're playing they're playing cards. Puss gives like a momentary glance when the door knocks. He knows it's coming. Yeah. He hits a momentary jump on the guys. He's the first one out of his seat with somebody with a hurt back. So he gave them the location, the 411 on that spot, and he gave them that. He gave the feds that spot. He gave the feds those guns. So he knew he was in then. That's my take. I agree. When he runs outside and he backs into the FBI guy who's like twirling the handcuffs, they already know each other. It wasn't a two strangers. Puss just turned. He but he doesn't even he doesn't even like he doesn't even uh, skip a beat. He completely turns around to like here take my hands. He was already cuffed. Uh, was so like, you think he may have when they were saying okay this is going to go he down. He's like them. you know I got to make it look like I'm not yes, part of this. I'm going to run. Sold it. You're going to be around the corner. He set it up. Okay. And then he walks into the bang. We're just going to draw straws to see who's going to go down there and bail you out. My wife did. I nearly strangled on the ride home. <laughs> my head's hurting. I got agita. And on top of all that, I threw my goddamn back out again. Maybe it was that 10 yard dash. <laughs> Puss is a traitor. And we'll see, what, we'll see how his story unfolds. But whether he is or he isn't right now, and if I was watching it for the first time, I would be on the outs with Puss. Just by virtue of that opening scene where he kind of tips you that he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then with Tony, like Justin said, he has the perfect opportunity to, to, to lie, to sell it. And he totally botched that yeah. attempt. 
And you only get one chance in life, right? I mean, for situations like life or death situations like that. I want us to cut to a quote from, well, now I can't even think of it. What's the movie? Uh, Robert Nero talks to the kid, uh, Bronx Tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, never rat on your friends. Like it's oh, a, no, that's Goodfellas. Is that Goodfellas? Goodfellas? You took your first place like a man, and you learned the two greatest things in life. What? Look at me. Never rat on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. Um, let's talk about the 302 for a second. I want to see the report. I can't give my hand. I want to see the fucking 302. All right. All right. I'll see what I can do. Did you guys get did get anything into anything on what is a 302? What does that mean? Yeah, the it's it's the FD 302. It's a form used by FBI agents to report or summarize the interviews that they conduct with informants. And it's to consist of information they've taken from the subject, but not about the subject themselves. It's, they use it to like as like a tool to get them to flip. In other words, is that no? The three hundred two is the the report, the proof that that, that person sat it's down the report, with the Fed agent. Yeah, it's the report that Jimmy or Pussy or the informant would give. And it would have information that would be incriminating. Yes, that Tony exactly. would say, "Oh my God, he said this about me." Exactly. That's the idea. Yes. I had always okay. thought that. Vin was an informant, but not a super important one. And then when they talk about, oh, now we won't be able to know if pussies are at, knowing that he was their only source behind the scenes, it made me wonder why Tony was such a dick to him. Great point. Great point. If that's your only link in, even if you don't like the guy, be nice to him. It's a hell of an asset. Yeah. Well, maybe that's not Tony's style. Tony's style to get things out of people isn't to kill them with kindness. It's brute force. Great points, both of you. I like that. There's a line when Vin and, and Tony are talking by the Raritan River why, why where Vin doing? says, Why? Because he's facing a possible sentence of from now on. Mandatory. That's why. Come on, I know a lot of guys who can't do that kind of time. Who is this guy pussy, huh? Who is he? He's a man who loves his family above all else. Well, guess what? That's their favorite target. Tony's face changes when he says that. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Is yeah. he thinking about himself in that moment? I think so. Like if I was pinched, what would, would I, I do? Flip? Yeah, if if his family was on the line, who's he going to protect? I, I think I always bring this up. There's there's two families, and that's what this entire series is about. And who, which one is he going to choose? I think that's why it's so important for him at that moment to make sure that pussy is a rat, and he wants every available ounce of evidence to to do that because he assumes he lives by the omerta and he assumes all of his associates do and even the thought that one of his best friends has suddenly gone against everything they've taken an oath for uh that's you guys remember that scene that moment where silvio and tony are talking to each other outside the bing and silvio says look t my vote counts for anything i cannot believe that pussy would fear the can enough to hurt his friends that's what they said about Gravano. That's what they said about Gravano. You know, his first, you know what his first name was? It was Salvatore. Yeah. And Big Puss's name is Salvatore. Again, yeah. it's just another beautiful symmetry, beautiful nod to the past. You should do a good uh, deep dive on that story, too, because it's it really interesting. Oh, it's really Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it didn't happen no, much before... It was like in 1991. It I was relatively a, recent. Yeah. yeah. Same decade. Um, and an observation more than a question, you guys. Puss's wife is different again. 
No, it's the same one. That's not Angie Bonpensero. That is. That's the, it's the same it's the, one from the first episode. It is? Yeah, or from whatever previous okay. episode in the first season. From the barbecue. From the barbecue. Okay. Well, from them light, lighting whatever evidence lighting he was trying the evidence to get rid of in the Weber. So we can go back to that scene now, too. Like, was that an act, or was he actually trying to protect himself from giving away all the family secrets? Uh, that, I've, I've always pondered that. I've always been a little confused. As to I'm going to be in the camp that he was in it from the beginning. Pilot episode, he's already flipped. Yes, I agree. I'm in that camp so, as well. Well, and they, they go back to, and I don't think this spoils anything, but they talk about a um, Santa Claus outfit. Yeah. And that takes you back further. Way than, back. Way back. Yeah. That takes you when, what's his name was alive? Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great point. There's a couple of other people that have already flipped, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not going to say their names now because that wouldn't be cool. But I think you guys know what I'm saying. There's a couple of usual suspects. Yeah. And w- some of them come to fruition. And then some of them we don't get really any closure on. Um, Sil tells Tony that Vin knows post money like we discussed, right? Mm. And my question is, is doesn't T already know he's a degenerate gambler? Why is that new information? It goes to motive and everything, but I think that Tony still has its doubts about puss. It doesn't get puss off the hook. Um, I just thought it was kind of like they, they, it was a weakness for me. I felt like Silvio should have come at him with something better than this guy's a degenerate gambler. Well, he did because there was a discussion when Tony was talking with Debbie or no, even uh, McKazian, when they're at the brothel and he's like, I don't sleep with these women. I just come here to hang out. But then Silvio makes mention, mention that uh, he's sleeping with a bunch of prostitutes. So it was the contradiction. It was yeah, like Silvio yeah. was trying to Nobody find every other anything. reason. Yeah. Um, where's Vin in a rush to get to you guys? I think he's already planning on committing suicide. He just... But what, what's the rush? What's the rush? Yeah, what's the, that's what I, that's I think what he I was get. just really agitated. Yeah, he was really frustrated with everything that had just fallen on his lap and getting getting caught. All the other pressures that he has going on, being in the midst of uh, a mob web of lies. Whether he's lying or not, he's still in the middle of it. I think he just wanted to just end it. He was planning on doing it at home. Now he's in traffic, freaking out, sees the another bridge of death, and just uses it and jumps. And I'm in the camp that that was a spontaneous decision in sort of a, he had a lot going on. This was a bad experience that he'd just gone, gotten busted. He's going to be in trouble with Tony. I think it was a spur of the moment decision. If T was nicer to him, would he be alive today? I think based off of the backstory that we get from him, he was a really troubled person. He had a lot of, of demons, a lot of things that happened prior to his life that, that have turned him into the person that he is, which is quite a deplorable person. He's, he's humanizing this episode, but you go back a few episodes, he's beating the shit out of Melfi's boyfriend for no reason. He's driving drunk as a cop, and he's just not a model citizen at all. You mentioned you had some experience used to helping suicide hotlines. Yeah. Do you have any take on it being a spontaneous, I hate to say like a crime of passion or no, 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 of no. a yeah, premeditated like I, sort of thing? Uh, what I can say is that if there's two types, one is completely calculated where people settle their business, you know, you know, set up bank accounts and there's that end of it. Mm. Make sure everybody's taken care of. And then there's something that's just like random, like it's either induced by a drug or it's induced by some uh, relationship ending or something. But I don't know. With him, I feel like his was premeditated. 
So say there was a suicide hotline phone on that bridge and Vin McKazian calls and you answer. What do you I say to, talk him? to him? I've had three of those calls. I've had three literal bridge calls. One of them was the, the closest one is the one in uh, Long Beach, you know, the San Pedro Bridge. Uh-huh. Someone was on that. Um, and so what you do is you try to talk. You just talk. You don't say, get off the bridge. Well, you obviously say that you slip that in as many times as you can, but you're mostly just trying to be empathic and you're mostly trying to de-escalate. Because if you can de-escalate one degree, that's one step closer to them getting off the bridge. And then you want to get them on, uh, you want to you keep them on the phone long enough that you can alert somebody to go and help. So that's the goal. If they're on the bridge, the only thing you want to do is listen and ask them to think about the things. There's a, there's a 1% there's a 1% chance of you that wants to live. That's the percent of you that's actually on the phone with me right now. So let's concentrate on that 1% of you or whatever percent that is. You ask them to give you a number and then you talk about it. Well, they'll say, well, I have a, I have a daughter. Perfect. Well, what's her name? And you just keep talking, talking, talking. Meanwhile, the person in the back is trying to get the, there's a term, trying to get the coordinates on them. So who do you think, who would you have brought up to, to Vin? Debbie? Yeah. So like, well, there's a, there, you're on the phone with me right now. So you haven't done it yet. Who are you? It, it, what's, what's going on in your life? What's the, in, in that 1% of you that wants to live, who's important to you? Well, Debbie, well, who's Debbie? Okay, well, that, that my madam. How long have you known her? You just, and then you just keep it going. And then you hopefully get, uh, you know, T and his crew to get him down and be like, hey, man, we need you. We need to figure out some things first. <laughs> uh, maybe we can waive your, maybe we can waive your debts. Um, I know it's sort of an offshoot question, but given your experience, yeah, I thought no, it would be really sure. cool to get I, your take. I, uh, I like I, it. It's real. It, it does happen. And um, the one of the sad things about suicide prevention, though, is you actually don't know what the outcome is because it's a non, an anonymous call to the extent that they want it to be anonymous. So sometimes you have really bad calls and you'll never really know if they're alive or dead, but you just, you just do the best you can. It's imperfect. It's an imperfect solution, but mental health, as you yeah. probably know, Justin, isn't very imperfect. You know, it's access is a problem and, um, treatments are all specious and everybody's thinks everybody's got this and everybody's diagnosed with that. And so, Anyway, Vin McKazian was a very interesting, dynamic character. Um, Jimmy's visit was weird, okay? Jimmy, I, again, I, we talked, to you guys, talked with you guys about this off mic, um, but I'm going to pretend I'm a first-time viewer because I've actually forgotten some of the stuff that goes on. Is that classic David Chase deflection? Because Jimmy looked like he was fishing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, a beautiful moment where Tony turns from happy to see you to you motherfucker. You're a lucky guy. Terrible attempt to get Tony on the record. How did you guys feel about the Jimmy visit? It bothered the shit out of me. I think that was him committing suicide, but uh, I found it strange. You get popped by the FBI, you get out, and you go over to the boss's house? Straight over. But do you do that, uh, and I I used the analogy, uh, I was watching Casino, uh, and Joe Pesci's character and Robert De Niro's character are talking on the phone, and there's subtitles of what they actually mean. Because they're speaking in code. Because they're speaking in code. And I thought, okay, maybe that's the sort of thing. He comes over, 
they say this and that. He maybe even be wearing a wire, but needed to let Tony know that and could have done it in some predetermined code. So you are you in a pro Jimmy camp? I'm no, he's a fucking rat. Yeah. yeah. Pro Jimmy means he's not a rat. Yeah. Oh, I think that, You think Jimmy was You know, it's interesting. I'm on. I'm 100% in the camp that he's a rat. I think it's just a, a known fact, but there's online there's a growing sense I'm I'm getting that people aren't so sure. They they think that he was pegged to be the rat too soon. We later find out that it was Big Pussy, and now they're not 100% sure whether he was or he wasn't. They never got closure. To me, I think that scene in and of itself, he just gives it away. He's definitely the rat. He's talking to Junior later on, trying to fish as well. He's fishing in every subsequent scene after after that initial one in the basement. This is a captain, too, and there are certain rules, and we'll see in later seasons, Tony, even the ounce of referencing some sort of crime will freak out on someone. He doesn't want to be an accessory to the fact. He doesn't want to know anything. Good point. And for Jimmy to even mention Cuban... A dead Colombian. Dead, or the dead Colombian, or what are you going to do with the money? Like, under different circumstances, I think Tony would have just hit him in the face, but yeah. he... He just, he's such a good criminal that he knew. He's great. Switch it up. Oh, you're a lucky guy. Why don't you come up and have some lasagna? Like The shadow of Tony's face changing as he went from happy to suspicious was brilliant. Just the, the way they, yeah. it was a basement scene, but there was so much gravitas. How did Tony figure him out so quick? What was it that tipped him in your mind? First and foremost, I think he was looking for it to be anybody but pussy. Okay. That's it right there. But Tony's just always suspicious. I think if there's one thing you could say about about Tony is that he covers his tracks very well. Even with and his wife. Even with his wife. I think that's a whole different thing. But he's he's really careful with not incriminating himself throughout the entire series. He's He's actually quite brilliant about making sure that he doesn't leave any trail um, except for except for a couple Johnny of sack and season end of season well, five there's, finale. there's two instances so, and you know what i'll give him a pass for both of those yeah. because i mean they're completely unexpected and we'll we'll get to those later I'm but just, I'm, I'm i'm actually kind of giggling right now because <laughs> the season five finale is like one of the best yeah. finales in of all time that's my that's my favorite season when he's rolling yeah. in, in the creek and yeah. he's like sitting with, in his disheveled outfit. Oh my god, it's like it's like making my eyes water. It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant way to end the season. Because I remember when the season ended, I was like, "Fuck, we gotta wait. <laughs> we gotta wait for so what's gonna happen." You know? Oh man, it's brilliant. Um, okay, let's see. Do I have any Vic reaches? Yes. Does Tony feel partially responsible for Vin's death? I think he could care less. You think so? Yeah. I feel like he cared. With There's Debbie. those humanizing moments with. Like when uh, Vin said something about, can you be a little nicer? And he realizes, oh, maybe I'm being a little too hard on the guy. Yeah. And then that whole, that final scene with him looking over the bridge, that that is ominous for him to go back to where he killed himself and to think about that's that. That's not the bridge. I looked it up. Oh, it's not the bridge. It's, that's the Pulaski Skyway he's looking at the very last scene. It's not the same bridge. I that, thought it was the same bridge, but they just show it from a different side. No, it's the Pulaski Skyway. Does it, it's, does it, Supposed to... It's not supposed to be the same oh. bridge. It's the same river, but it's not the same bridge. I was bothered by that too, because mm. I thought it would there would be like a symmetry yeah. there. Final Vic reach before we jump to the next topic. You guys may or may not relate to this. Vin gets busted while in the shower. For me, personally, the shower is a sanctuary. It's a momentary escape from everything. 
And I find it extremely ironic that his momentary bliss from the real world was interrupted by an arrest of all things. I was thinking about myself, like, man, if I got pinched in the shower, I'd probably take my own life too because that's like my one spot. Did you guys see any irony there? or is that- I, Well, personally for me, I think of a shower as like the reset button. Yeah. And I think the way the show frames this situation is that it's an absolution of your sins. He's yeah. cleansing himself. Right. And so right before he dies, fitting for him, he's clean. He's washed himself of all of his sins. Yeah. There's a metaphor there. I mean, like, it, it's it's personal. We have, we'll each have our own little personal anecdotes for that. But the shower scene was very intentional. You know, it was like, you've, it's right after you've like, you started to like him, right? And he's washing his, his sins away. But then he gets the worst possible thing happens and he gets arrested. It's like, ugh, it's too ironic. Um, topic two, Carmela Livia Jr., some key moments to frame the discussion. Livia volunteers to calm the suggestion that she and Junior are an item. Uh, the head of Green Grove later tells Tony that Junior's visits have changed Livia for the better. And finally, Livia tells Junior about Tony's meetings at Green Grove. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Does she... She gives him that information on the heels of the house being sold? Yeah. If she doesn't get that information, does she give it to him then? If she doesn't know that Tony's selling her house, because you're saying she that pushed her over their edge to to do something that would yeah. have some retaliation. I just thought about that now because it, you know we kind of think that this was a calculated move by her, but the way that she brings all this up to him was sort of out of anger of learning about the house being sold. Um, does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it totally does. I uh, I don't know. I don't even know. Well. Let's let's well, see, let's unpack it. Why is he selling the house to begin with? That's what I don't know either. Because he doesn't he need the money. Ha- he doesn't need the money. Well, and we know that Janice lives in it later, so he never did sell the house. But he said, yeah, and that's that's the really weird part about it is he says they responded to our counteroffer and they accepted we're selling the house. Tell tell her that, and that's what he leaves the funeral or Green Grove director with. Freudian and, slip. Yeah. <laughs> and and I just don't understand. Is he saying that to get a rise out of her? Or does he, I think maybe he just wants her to have some closure and to move on and accept where she is and know that she's not going back. Yeah, because I feel like if he was going to do it in a vindictive way, he want, wanted to uh, see her face when he told her. Why, why tell the Green Grove director to tell her that? Yeah, I think he came with good intentions. He brought the music. Yeah. He wanted to probably smooth over the fact that he sold it. But again, I don't, we, again, nobody knows anything. I don't have closure with why did he sell it. We all, you know, obviously the house doesn't, isn't sold because there's, it, it exists for a long time. But it was just, the, the, the junior thing too, it was contrived. Like the, just Carmela never asks, it never comes out and says, she just says, I know that junior comes and visits you a lot. And she, and Livia takes that to mean like, I know that the whole world probably thinks that we're an item. Junior couldn't carry Johnny's socks. Do you think I'd blacken my Johnny's memory by getting mixed up with his brother? Oh, but I never felt that, and as a as a viewer, you never thought that as a viewer, they were an item, no. or there was any sort of a, did you, did a you, chemistry. Did that, you guys see any chemistry? I don't think so. I don't think so either. What about you, John? But there was something there. I mean that that crosses a whole loyalty level of yeah. Would, would sleeping Junior, with would his brother's dis- wife disrespect his brother like that? No, 
He's no. old school, right? And he's got Mikey Bo- Palmisi. He's, he's got old Bobby school. for that. He had Bobby. Oh. A listener question. Again, this is a mailbag, but I tied it into the context of our discussion here. Livia knows a lot in general about the business. We've talked about this in the past. Like if if uh, she came after those feminists, she would have been running North yeah. Jersey. How does Livia know so much? Carm and others are kept in the dark. Most women, we're going to meet uh, Jojo Palmisi in a few minutes. They don't know shit. But why is it that Livia knows so much? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I have the argument that they all know a lot and that you may not necessarily see it. Uh, we also, I, we talked, I had the thought, you look at um, Christopher Moltisanti and Adriana and they talk a lot about him coming up or him being involved in different things. I imagine when Tony and Carm were living in a one-bedroom apartment that he was probably a lot more Chatty. forthcoming about what he was doing. And you also, like, as you mentioned, Carmela doesn't know a lot. And Justin, I think, will get into the, the financial opinion about it. But uh, there's, in a later uh, season, uh, Tony basically explains to Carmela in the same fashion about someone else being gone, like the long gone. And we're talking about Richie April. Yeah. So I think the thought is that the women know more than, than we think they They'll do. They really and that they're probably just really smart about only giving them enough information to not make them accessories after the fact. Do you guys think that Bobby was target practice for Junior? In other words, being able to do what he did to Bobby gave him the confidence to make a move on Tony. Do you see any relationship there? He I, was graduating to that? I think it sets up the idea that Junior holds nothing higher than his position in the crew. That's why he never gets married. His standing in that thing of theirs is above all else. Now, wait a minute. I don't like that kind of talk. Now, just stop it. It upsets me. Or I won't tell you anything anymore. If this is true, Livia, you'll know what I... I mean, I'm the boss, for Christ's sake. If, if, if I don't act, blood or no... Blood or no blood, it doesn't matter. Love or no love, or no Boca, he's going to do what's right for the business. Topic three. I only have one question for you guys, but I want to settle a couple of scores and then ask you the question. It's Tony, Silvio, and Jimmy looking for puss, the scene in the back of Satrial's quick setup. Tony tells Polly to handle it, as we discussed earlier, to make sure first. Tony's later convinced it's Jimmy after the house visit that we discussed. When Polly gets to Satrial's, Tony lays into Polly. Polly still kind of has a glint in his eye that Puss is the one, not Jimmy. The technical observation that I have that I keep coming back to, um, you guys familiar with the song? I'm, I'm older than you guys, but you guys know the song Return of the Mac? Of course. Okay, so Return of the Chiaroscuro. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's back. Oh, God. It's back with the vengeance. Tony shadows when he's leaning into Silvio, when he's leaning into Pauly. Uh, if you notice the camera, um, it's not a still shot of him. It's swaying with Tony as he's moving in and out of the frame. And the shadow and the light in the camera movement are brilliant. Again, this is a scene that is being shot in the back of a fucking pork store. But the attention to detail is mind-boggling. You talked about shadows. Did you notice how dark 
like the lack of light in this episode yeah. a lot. Yeah. Like when they went to go get a Schwitz, mm-hmm. like how do you navigate in that place? <laughs> you don't. If uh, Polly gets him to take off his clothes and expose the wire that we're assuming he's wearing, I feel like he could have killed him right there and no yeah. one would have seen it. Yeah. But even the brothel was really dark. It's true. The lighting was dim. It was candlelit lighting this yeah. episode for sure. Um, the question that I have about this scene though, this topic one thing I want to say sure. about that scene, and some scenes we'll see later on, there's nothing better. I, I think one of my f- favorite scenes that go on throughout the series is people standing up to Polly. Those are some of the greatest scenes because he's usually the alpha male and the main aggressor, and you don't see people step up to him. But there's around three or four different characters who kind of do, and they just have all-time great lines. Richie Aprile. I'll drive a Lionel up your ass. And then it's Feech Lamana talking about, it's a good thing for me then, that your book don't mean you got. Well, it's his mannerism too. He'll, he'll tell you, I'd like you to do something. And then they won't do it. And then he'll reiterate it like, you're going to take your clothes off or you're going to build beans here ramp or you're going to be a Santa Claus. Santa Claus. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, it's really going to work yeah. that time when you say it that way. You know, I was kind of sad that season one's coming to an end, but you just gave me three reasons why I'm excited to go forward now. Oh, yeah. 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 When you suck the money them. out of my ass. <laughs> um, so Paulie doesn't think it's Jimmy. D- d- do you guys, you guys agree with me on that? I think Paulie still thinks it's puss. Any thoughts on that scene? Does he not think it's Jimmy? Yeah, does he say that? No, you he just get the, you his, get the his sense. eyes and his language. He says the last thing he said to me was go fuck yourself. And uh, he didn't take off his clothes. And he's very kind of subdued. He's very mad at Tony because he got roughed up like yeah. that. But I, to me, it was a read that he still got eyes on puss. Because he said the rat, Tony says Jimmy's the rat. Tony, uh, Polly just looks over at Silvio like, I'm not so sure, but I'm also not going to cross the boss right now because yeah. I just got my, I just got. Well, it's, it's another time when Polly gets stepped up to. It's like an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. It just makes for great entertainment. But I, I think that he just had an experience with pussy and. They, that Tony was not privy to. Tony was not privy Tony to. He didn't there? see his reluctance to take his shirt off. Yeah. And also, we haven't talked about that scene enough. The Schwitz pussy was pulling stuff out of his ass to get out of that scene. Why don't you want to take your clothes off? I got high blood pressure, you fucking idiot. I go in there, I can check the fuck out. My doctor mentioned steam and sauna, specifically as no-nos. He said, stay the fuck away from heat. Thanks for the thought. But get out of my fucking face. Yeah, come on, no, man. No, he was literally because he he sensed it too. I mean, it was the, there's so much tension about like what we feel about pussy right now. It's crazy. Um, all right, topic four: Mikey and his wife. You guys, uh, his wife was played by JoJo Palmisi, played by actress Michelle Santo Pietro, and they named their kid Francis Albert. Which later on, I believe when. Jojo is consoling Bobby Bacala. We get Janice coming in and she tries to throw shade at Jojo. And she says, how's Mikey Jr. doing with his ADD or with his Ritalin? Ah, and wow. I didn't realize we see her again. We do. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. One, one other time we see her. And so I don't know if that's an inconsistency with the show 
or what that is, but maybe a different another son. Maybe it's another son. She was cute. I don't know what she was doing with fuckface Itis. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm I'm totally in that camp. All I gotta say is Mr. Sinatra, chairman of the board, is rolling in his fucking grave. <laughs> All right. About being a um, having a Paul Meesey share his about name. About Paul Meesey yeah. sharing his name, yeah. Um here's the question. I mean you we kind of alluded to this, but I I'm I i do not know that I necessarily agree with you guys on this. Maybe prove me wrong. He is so damn chatty with his wife. Okay, um, versus Tony, who won't even tell her how big a score she well, had. Yeah, um, this guy basically, Mikey Palmisi, basically tells her that they're gonna whack Tony Soprano. He's gonna move up a few notches. Isn't that gonna go straight to the nail parlor? Well, my question is, what what's common in that sort of a lifestyle when you're part of La Cosa Nostra? Are you like not telling? What are you not? Man. What are you not telling your wife? I, as the resident married person here. What do you tell your wife if you were in that situation? Would everything be hush hush? It's different. I, I would be dead already because <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife everything. Well, but, who's to say that the the people in that life? Yeah, they're humans. Know. It's a job, and yeah. at the end of the day, he's telling his wife that he's about he's to get a promotion. He's debriefing with his wife. Our life yeah. is going to change, and he does let her know the repercussions of her spreading the info. So listen to me. If you breathe a word of this to anybody. They're going to be burying me and you right next to Tony Soprano. You understand? Yeah. Make a decaf. Yeah, yeah, but it's too little too late in my opinion, just given the fact that we know. So it's context specific too. Like I don't, li- I don't have a do work or have a career that uh, disallows yeah. me from yeah. communicating well, with my wife about it. I go, I go but, back to what John was just saying, where I think once you hit a certain level, so probably once he's not, not as high ranked, he's still trying to impress her. You know, the somebody who's making under a hundred thousand is probably still talking to his wife. Hey, we got this coming up. We're gonna we're gonna do better. But if you're the CEO of a billion dollar company, you're probably not gonna be like, look, we made a billion dollars last week. Right. There's levels to it. Final topic, final scene. It's the view. It's Tony looking out at the Pulaski Skyway, uh, which is not the bridge that Vin jumped off of. I mentioned this earlier, but I just want to make mention of it again. And the Sopranos autopsy did not mention it either, which was kind of interesting to me because I feel like it's so late, blatant, it's so obvious. But the barge is plunging right through his heart, and that's matched with the commensurate look on Tony's face of sort of just angst and just sort of terror about what am I going to do next. To me, that speaks to this notion that you guys disagree with me on, that he actually regrets the Vin decision. He feels like, I should have taken better care of Vin. That's what that says to me. I, I think he just, he has so much on his mind. Is his best friend a rat? Is one of his highest ranking capos, who he's also in cahoots with against his uncle. Is he an informant? Is he telling the FBI that he's actually the real boss instead of Junior? I think that he has a lot more on his mind than a degenerate fucking gambler cop. By the way, one of the capos that was in the wedding uh, a few episodes back where they're talking about the indictments, Jimmy Altieri's outside that circle, okay? He's with, he's with Christopher. They're talking about the OC, okay? When did you get your stripes? But there is another capo that's in that circle who is a fucking rat. You guys know who I'm talking about, but my contention is that he already is a fucking rat. It didn't happen later. Okay. Because he said, what do you think, Tony? Yeah. And he was also busted. He was also at the pool hall. And he was also one oh. of the guys. He's you the first so? rat that got pinched because he's had it. He's been, on, he's been on his laurels the whole show. I think it was, I think it was pussy. 
that's it, guys. We It's been a pleasure. We'll see you next week. We will be covering episode 12, the penultimate episode of season one. It's been real. Thank <laughs> you.